Man, it's so cool to hear what's happening in India. Oh, man, that just gets me so excited. Man, God is good. Let's do it. Hey, it's good to be here with you this morning. It's awesome to get a chance to share God's word with you this morning. Um, man, it's just so cool. I, uh, a lot of things happened in my life this last week, uh, starting off student life, and that was so much fun. Um, we we kind of all sit over here, and we have a worship team, which is pretty awesome, and we sing a couple songs right at the beginning, and we had food for them, and it's just so cool having students in the building, and and one of the things that I just made sure to say on the first night was, man, what we're about here at Student Life is about Jesus. And the most important decision that you could make in your whole life is that you could follow him and that you could give your life to him and that you could um, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. A uh, couple of things cool that happened in my life this week. We had a birthday party yesterday for Phoenix. He turned three, which is pretty sweet. Um, we just kind of did like a little birthday cake for him. It was fun. And he really likes monster trucks, so that was sweet. Our kids are young enough where we're going to try to do one more year of a combined birthday party for all three because it's like boom, boom, boom. They're all within two months. So we're like, hey, we can still do this. So um, that's fun. Had a good week. It's awesome to hear Anthony's awesome last couple weeks. We're so excited for the DR trip and for you guys that are going to go on the trip. Just so, so excited for you. Um, one really quick thing that I wanted to say here before I get started. You have in your worship folder a little slip of paper. I put that in here this week or we put this in there this week. This is just a little thing that kind of goes along with what I'm going to be talking about. And so feel free to get that out. If you have a pen or a pencil, you can. There's a couple blanks that you can fill in if you're that kind of person. Uh, there's some illustrations here and some note areas. So if you would like, feel free to grab that. Um, you can use that if you'd like. So yeah. Uh, I'm excited to share God's word with you today. If you have your Bibles, you can get them open as well. We're going to be in fit, uh, 1 Corinthians this morning, 1 Corinthians, so you can get that out. We also we will have the um, verses on the screen behind me. But I wanted to talk this morning about having the right perspective, having the right perspective, and how important it is to have the right perspective as a Christian, as a believer. I remember... Before I knew Jesus, my BC days, before Jesus, before Christ in my own life, there was a lot of ways in which I had the wrong perspective, where really I was the lens myself, I, me, myself, and I, I was the lens that I saw everything through. And it was all ultimately about me. But when I first became a Christian, that started to change. I remember going to youth group. We call it youth group, not student life. And I had a youth pastor there that I had a good relationship with. And I remember sitting in his house and talking about the Bible with him. And he would ask questions. And I was probably the weird one that would always try to answer first. I was like, oh, let me try to answer. And I probably got it wrong half the time. But I just remember talking about God and my perspective started to change. I remember hanging out with him and, uh, you know, 
playing board games, hanging out. And it was just a great experience for me to have a godly man like that. I had other godly men in my uh, life as well. But just to have a youth pastor in my life was just so beneficial for me. And it helped me to grow. And then eventually, I started to live differently. My perspective changed how I was viewing myself. And eventually, it changed my actions. And, And I started to do weird things, things that wouldn't really make sense if you had my old perspective. But now that I had a new perspective, I saw things differently. And I'm sure people who had my old perspective looked at me and looked at the things I started to do, and they were like, what? What are you doing, Eric? That is so weird that you would do that. Why are you doing these things? Why are are you living for Jesus? Why are you uh, sharing the gospel with people? Why are you being kind? Why are you starting a morning Bible study at school? I, I, I tried to start this morning Bible study called Sold Out, you know? But you were so, you know, your soul was sold out for Jesus. It was awesome. I thought that was great, you know, the play on words. Everybody's going to come to this thing. But it's like, what are you doing? Well, it's because my perspective changed that I once had this old perspective that was different And it was centered around me and myself. And when I started following Jesus, my sins were wiped away by the blood of Jesus and he became my Lord, my Savior. Jesus is to be our Lord as a Christian, our our Savior, he's our Savior, but also he's to be our Lord, that he's the boss. And that ultimately our whole orbit should be about him and he should be the center. So I started to do crazy things. That's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about perspective, and I'm going to read our passage. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. This is our main passage, but we will be going through a section before this, about seven verses before that, to give some context for this verse in a little bit. But let me read the verse, and then I'll pray for us. So then, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, Do all for the glory of God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that Anthony is back from India. I thank you that this DR trip, this Dominican Republic trip, is about ready to get going. God, I just pray. um, I pray for those believers that are over in India. God, I just pray for confidence over them. Just that they would have a perspective centered on you in such a way that they would just live boldly, God. God, when I think about the DR trip and, and people from our church are going to go and they're going to serve these people in this other country that they have no idea, and I'm sure they've got lots of questions like, what exactly, I know kind of the general thing, but man, how am I going to talk to them? But they just, they just love you so much, God. There's people in this church that love you so much that they're willing to go and put themselves out there and meet some new people and to spread your good news in another country. Praise God for that. God, I pray that you give them confidence. I pray that even now and this week as they pray and as they prepare and as they look towards what's happening, God, I just pray that you would just move in their hearts and that they would have a perspective that would just give them boldness and that they would just go knowing that you're going to meet them there. And God, I just pray over everyone in this room and as we get into your word, 
God, I pray for that same boldness. I pray that we would have a God-centered perspective, that we would not be about ourselves, that we would be about you. And God, that you would do awesome things, that you would give us boldness in our job, that you would give us boldness in our family. You'd give us boldness at school with our friends, whatever area. Just thank you for this time, God. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, God. Um, you just like, like what we were singing um, before with the worship team. You love us so much. Thank you for that, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Like I said, we're going to be talking about perspective today and how important that is for your Christian walk. Think about this verse, this verse again. It's a famous verse. Maybe you got it on a coffee mug or a t-shirt, and for sure you've heard it before. So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Do all for the glory of God. Now, I want to give you a tool. We're going to go through the passage, and uh, we're going to do the verses before this. But if, I'm going to, if I would read them to you right now, it'll be a little, and when I read them to you, it's kind of like one of those verses that are kind of like, oh, where, where are we? What did we just read? Because it's really confusing. It, it, it is. And so before I, we jump into the context of this verse and shed some light on it, I wanted to give you a tool to decode it, all right? So here's the tool, and this goes onto your sheet that you have in your worship folder. What I, this is the tool that you can use to decode this, and it's, it's a, just a really cool thing that I heard a while ago that I'm sharing with you. It's the circle, and you can throw this up. There's two circles that will be up on the screen behind me, but it's this idea that your life is a circle, and there's all sorts of things in the circle. There it is, yeah. There is yourself is in the circle. There's your job is in the circle. You have all sorts of hobbies and things that you like to do. You have friends in the circle. In there, it has a girlfriend, right? What else is in here? It has uh, church in there. It has God in there. It's entertainment in there. There's all sorts of things that are in your circle. If you think about your life, there's all sorts of things. And what's awesome is God creates us in different ways with different likes and attitudes and stuff like that. Your circle is going to look totally different than mine. The things that you like are going to be totally different than mine. Now, the thing about this circle is the most important part of the circle is the center. And as you can see in these two pictures, one of them has me. It's a guy holding the poster, right? Me! <laughs> me in the center. And the other one has God in the center. Now, what the center is, is it is the focal point. It is the center of the perspective. It's the lens that you see everything else in the circle. It is the ultimate. It is the God of the circle. It is where your heart is. That's the center. Right now, it's where your heart is. And everything flows from that. So think about this. How would having different things in the center affect how you see the things around them? Here's your first blank if you want to fill this in. The center is the most important thing about you. Uh, there, there was a pastor who did a famous quote and he said, the most important thing about you is what you believe about God. I think you could also say the most imp one of the most important things about you is what is at the center right now. What is at the center right now of your circle. I would think, you know, this is just a guesstimate, 
but because we're sinful and because I know myself and because I've read the Bible a few times, that I would bet that at any given moment, probably 90% of the people that you run into on a daily basis have themselves as the center, have themselves as the center of their circle. It's the lens that they see everything through. It is the focal point. It is their perspective. It's themselves. And that's natural, isn't it? If you think about it, I am myself, and it makes sense that I would be at, at the center sometimes. And it's natural for that type of thing to happen. Uh, this is your second blank, if you'd like to fill this in. We're going through these blanks real fast. I'm, I'm getting rid of them right away at the beginning here. But having the wrong perspective, having the wrong perspective, that's that blank, is easy because we are sinful by nature. We're sinful by nature. Having something else rather than God in the center of your circle means oftentimes that it will lead to some sort of sin. And it's subtle sometimes how it happens, right? Sometimes when just practically from week to week, I, you know, I get recharged from church. I love church. I love being here at Riverview. I get so much out of it. And I'm so pumped whenever I get to come here. It's such a blessing. And I get charged up and God's at the center, right? And I leave and sure enough, sometimes throughout the week, it just happens, man. Just a subtle thing, whoop, it gets switched. And all of a sudden, through one thing or another, maybe I'm, uh, you know, intaking some things. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm watching a couple videos and uh, thinking about, you know, uh, watching some music videos or something like that. Uh, just focused on other things and all of a sudden, it gets switched, where all of a sudden I'm at the center and God's no longer at the center. When God is not at the center, it leads to sin. Because when I'm at the center, I will do things that don't make sense from the God perspective. Let me say that again. If I'm at the center, I'll do things that don't make sense from God's perspective. I can just imagine God looking down at me sometimes and saying, Eric, what are you doing? right? Why would you do that? Don't you know that I love you? Don't you know that I created this world? Uh, sometimes I think about this. Do you guys ever think about how we're, this, this, the earth is a ball, right? And we're going around thousands of miles an hour around a giant ball of fire. You ever think about that? How weird that fact is? Isn't that crazy to think about? And some people think that God, God is just imaginary. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. This is the world God created. God created everything. He created me. He created you. He created this world. And when I put me at the center, it messes everything up. It gives me the wrong perspective and I start to do the wrong things. But if God's in the center of my circle, it sets everything right. And ultimately, if you have something at the center besides God, the Bible calls that thing, an idol, an idol. An idol is something that you're worshiping besides God. Lots of things that we can worship today. Back, back in Bible times, there was, you know, Artemis and all these Greek gods and, and these different things, you know, like Baal and uh, fertility gods and all sorts of, you know, uh, things that they used to worship back then. We don't really do that nowadays. Maybe it's more like uh, the god of sports, or the God of entertainment. 
The God of me, myself. I define everything, right? I'm the definition. I want to give you a quick illustration just to explain this a little bit more. This is a funny story that I thought I could share with you guys. This was also in my BC days, not my before Christian days, but before children days. Before children days. Wow, it was so different back then. It's crazy, right, honey? Wow, what do we even do back then? I don't, I don't even understand it. Um, can I get an amen parents in here? BC, BC days. What did we do? I don't know, but it was awesome. Um, So, all right, reeling it back in, everybody. So, uh, we were going to do Christmas. And as is the tradition, you get a present for your loved one. And so, Jennifer and I were getting a present for each other. And uh, sometimes, a lot of times I'll ask her, you know, honey, what, what exactly do you want? Just tell me what you want, okay? And a lot of times she'll surprise me. And that's cool. That's just her thing. She just wants to, she doesn't want to ask me. Uh, she just wants to surprise me, and that's great. That's great. I love that about her. And so we, I got a present for her and wrapped it up the, the night before, and then she got a present for me, wrapped it up the night before. We didn't really see him, and then uh, put him under the tree. The next morning, we got up, walked out there, and I'm just kind of like, oh, I hope it's something that I like, I, you know. But I'm, I'm excited, and this will be great. And so we go out to the tree, and there's mine right there, and, and she grabs it, and then I see mine holy smokes, this is like a big, this is a big present. It, I kid you not, as I walked out, I was like, what is in this thing? What is this thing? It was literally this tall. It was a huge present. Matt, I kid you not, it was this tall. And this wide. It was big, okay? And I just thought, what is it? And I kind of was thinking through, you know, the things that I would like, you know, maybe something that I mentioned to her. And I was just like, what is in this present? This is great. Is it like five things at once? And I started to get a little excited. I was like, what is, what is in this present? This is cool. This is awesome. And so she unwrapped hers, and, and it was something. And uh, I'm, yeah, she's, she's great. You know, Jennifer, even, even though <laughs> whatever I give her, even if it's bad, she's like, oh, wow, this is great, honey. She's so great about that. Like her facial expressions are always great. I always feel so loved. Um, so I'm like, okay. I want to open this present. So I go, you know, get the paper off and then get my little scissors, um, get the tape, open it up. There's packing peanuts inside. What is in this present? I'm just like, what is this? And so I get this out of here. It's, it's blue. What, what is this? I get along the side, get along the side, open it up, and I see it. It's a lovely blue end table. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is, this is great, honey. This is awesome. This is exactly what I wanted. It's exactly what I wanted. And I had to be careful because, okay, guys, we know you ladies. If we, if we get the wrong face, you're going to let us have it. So I was just like, yeah, honey, this is great. This is great. Right, wives? You know. You watch us real close. So I was like, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. <laughs> Actually, what was funny, and we laugh about this now, that was what she wanted. <laughs> it's exactly the perfect present. Now, later in the day, I explained to her, I, you know, 
You just have to, you know, sometimes you walk on eggshells and you just say, hey, honey, this is a great present. Was this present for you? (laughs) And then we had a long conversation about it, right? But you know what's funny about this present and this whole situation, and to relate it to what we're talking about today, is that when she got me a present, it was supposed to be, I was supposed to be at the center of that gift. But what happened was, through one one way or another, one thought process or another, that she became the center of that gift rather than me. And see how that messed everything up? All of a sudden, I didn't really get something that I wanted. And it was really something for her. In the same way, you and I can do this in our life, where just by our own sinfulness or just by getting off focus or just by lots of different ways, somehow we start with the best intentions and the right perspective. We get re-centered on Sundays. We have God at the center. And our whole life is ordered correctly because of it. But what happens is it gets switched. And when we're the center, it changes everything. And the Bible says that sin ultimately leads to death. Sin leads to death. When we do things for the glory of God, it puts things in the right perspective. Now bring it back to this verse. So whatever, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. The glory of God. That's the motivation. That's what you are trying to do as a Christian. Now let's hit up some of the verses going before. And I just love it because... Sometimes we take a verse and we yank it out of the context, and I just want to put it in the context. Now that you understand the circle, you understand the center, let's go through and let's talk about these verses. At first, it'll be a little confusing, but I'll flush it out. Verse 23. So this is just a couple verses sooner. It starts off and says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let the one, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any question on, God, uh, on ground of conscience. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are disposed to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising a question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, <gasps> This has, been offered, uh, uh, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it. For the sake of the one who informed you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by somebody else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that which I give thanks. Then goes to our verse. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Now, I just want to camp on these verses and just unpack them a little bit, okay? Now, going back to verse 23, if we could uh, filter back over to there with the slides. This verse is a series of thoughts that Paul is going through, and he's addressing some concerns that people had in the day. Okay, and he's saying there's all these things in your circle. There's meat when you go to the meat market. There's unbelievers. There's believers. There's all sorts of things coming into your life, into your circle. And we want to govern all these things by the center. We want to do everything to the glory of God. 
Now, when he starts off and he says, all things are lawful, what he's talking about there is eating. Uh, In the Old Testament, there's all sorts of laws when it came to things that you can eat. And also, there was a current tension at the time where people would bring offerings to idols. They were false gods at the time, lots of different gods. People would bring an offering of, of meat or something like that. And then what would happen is, out the back of the temple, there would be like a butcher shop back there, a meat market, where people could come and they could buy food. Because might as well, it makes you a quick dime and you can do something with this food. And so there would be people that would be buying meat that was previously offered to an idol. Obviously, whoa, okay, this is some context. Okay, so all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. Let no one seek the good of his own, his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Eat whatever is sold to you in the meat market without raising any question on ground of conscience. For the, for, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What is it saying here at the beginning? It's pretty much saying that, you know, I know there is some controversy amongst the believers that some of these things were offered to idols. And if you think about it, it makes sense. Like, do I want to eat this meat? Do I want to eat something that was offered to an idol? But do you notice what the verse says? With God being the center, the verse says, eat whatever sold to you in the meat market without raising any question on ground of conscience. Why? Oh, why? Well, for the earth, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You know what's cool about whatever... Uh, meat that was sold at the meat market, in the end, those idols are nothing. In the end, it's just a false god. So if I need to eat, I can eat whatever I need to. But through this passage, there's this conflict going on. Should I? And you can almost see that some believers would have a problem with that. They'd say, wait, 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 you can't eat something offered to an idol? One example just to explain this, and I was trying to think of a good modern day example to explain this to. Like, what's a good corollary? I know of a person who, um, you know, before BC days, uh, really struggled with alcohol and uh, just was really in bondage to that. But when, God, when he came to know Jesus, God sent him free from that. It was just like miraculous. Boom, gone. No more desire for it. But for the rest of his life, he just thought, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to drink a drop. And that's probably wise for him, isn't it? That's that's good. That's that's fine. And you can almost imagine people coming out of a false religion and saying, I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not going to eat something offered to an idol. Well, in the same way, I'm not going to go and drink an alcoholic beverage on front of this guy, right? That's something that it's lawful for me to do. I, I could drink you know, a little bit of alcohol. As long as I don't get drunk, that's fine. Um, Jesus drank wine, right? But when when I'm with him, I want to support him. I want him to know Jesus. I want him. So what, what this passage is, is it's a series of thinking about, okay, if Jesus is at the center, how do we deal with all these conflicts? And your life is going to be like that. How do you deal with all these conflicts in your life? And then it gets to our verse. Our verse, so it says, uh, if I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that which I give thanks? So, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. 
That's why he says eat or drink in that passage, because that's what they're talking about. The whole, por- por- like, the whole section of the passage, if anything, it's the whatever you do is, is the extra thought. But he's saying in the context of eating something offered to an idol or not offered to an idol, you know, the big idea, what's the big idea? Okay, all this blah, blah, blah. What's the big idea? Here it is. God should be at the center. That's the big idea. It's for the glory of God. That's why you exist, Christian. That's why you exist, believer, person. You exist to give glory to God. This is the third blank that you can fill in. Having a God perspective is the only way to correctly make sense of this world. This is so true. Before I knew Jesus, man, I was, there are so many different ways that I was messed up. But when I had the God perspective, when I gave my life to Jesus and I said, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And you're my Lord. You're the boss. When I said that, it set everything in, in place. Some of you in, in this room this morning, maybe you've been struggling because if you're honest, this last week, this last month, or maybe your whole life up to this point, if you're honest, you're at the center. That could be. And let me say, man, whenever I'm in that place, oh, it just tears me up. It breaks my heart. It just, it's just a terrible feeling because I know that I know God loves me, but my heart's in the wrong place. It's a red flag. It's a warning flag. Check your heart. Where's your heart at, believer? If, if you don't know Jesus in this room, you have to come to the point and realize, man, it's true. Everything that this guy is telling me is true. I've been at the center my whole life, and it, it's messed me up. I've gone astray. I've fallen short of the glory of God. I've, I'm broken. If I look at my own life, there's so many ways that, God, I know you can make me better. God, I know you can forgive me. God, I know that you can change my life. If you don't know Jesus, that's, that's the step you need to take. But for many believers, this is the step I got to take every week. When, when through subtlety, whatever happens, where I get pushed back into the center, I got to switch it back. I got to switch it back. I got to take every thought captive. I have to put God as the center. Here's some things that you say when you're at the center. What's in it for me? Uh, this isn't meeting my needs or God's not meeting my needs. I'll do whatever I want to do. Or how can I meet my needs? The things that you say when God's at the center, how can I lift up others? Man, I'm thankful. I am humbled. I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I, this is a cool one, I am hungry for God. If God's at the center, you'll say those things. It's a total perspective change. That's what, that's what we mean when we say, man, you've got to be born again. God's got to change you. How do you go from the place where you're at the center ultimately and you don't know God to the point where you know God, the point where you're the center, you're the measure of everything, you're the lens that you see everything through? It's just selfishness. It's just sin. How do you go from there to having God at the center? Only God can do that. Only God can move in your life. So now what I want to do is I want to spend a little bit of time 
just coming back to the circle idea and coming back to the idea that everything, everything, everything should be done for the glory of God. As I read this verse, these verses, and in 23, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. You know, there's lots of things that you can do in your life. That's fine. It's okay. But it's not really helpful. Not really helpful. Um, you should do not, you shouldn't do things for your own good, but for the good of your neighbor. What else does it say? Um, the earth is, is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What it's saying here, and I think this is huge, as a believer, if God's the center, and you can take this point to the bank, bank okay? If God's at the center, there's lots of things on the outside periphery that you shouldn't really sweat. There's lots of things, like it says, if an unbeliever invites you to their house and um, they offer you something, don't sweat it. Don't sweat if it was offered to an idol. Why? Because God's at the center and, man, we're about spreading the gospel. We're about loving people. And so there are, there are aspects of our life there are things that we could be really picky about as believers. There's some things that we could really nitpick people about, but you know what? If God's the center, we shouldn't sweat the little things. But we should love people. We should be about spreading the gospel. Sometimes as believers, we can be too picky. We can be too picky. And maybe the most important thing that your grandkids need to know is not this little pick on you thing, but they just need to know that you love them and you want them to know God. Maybe that's what they need to know. Amen? As a believer, maybe that's something that your kids need to know. Maybe, maybe you've just been a little too picky. Maybe you just need to, okay, don't sweat the little things. Man, I just want them to know God. There's something about having God at the center. Don't sweat the little things. But then there's another aspect. If I could flip it on its head, when God's at the center, you sweat the little things. So you, you do sweat the little things. Um, as I look through these verses, towards the end it says, I do not mean your conscience, but for his. For why should my liberty be determined by somebody else's uh, conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced? Because of that which I give thanks. So, whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, do all for the glory of God. There's another aspect as I read this passage where when it comes to your own spiritual walk, when it comes to you following Jesus, when it comes to you doing what God's called you to do in your life, your conscience before him, before a holy God, I think of this guy who gave up alcohol and God graciously delivered him from that. His conscience said, I'm not going back. There's an aspect when God's the center you sweat the little things. You do sweat the little things. So when God's at the center, there's lots of things you don't sweat, okay? There's lots of things you don't sweat. When God's the center, there's lots of things you do sweat. Follow me? Track him with me, everybody? The last one is, if you can't make it about God, then don't do it. If you can't make it, this is a gut check, Okay? there's anything in your heart, in your mind right now that you're thinking, oh, mate, is God, is God saying that I need to get this out of my circle? If you can't make it about God, don't do it. If you can't make that particular activity, 
If you can't make that particular relationship, if you can't make whatever it is in the circle about God ultimately, don't do it. This is something huge for young people. Um, there's so many things that we allow into our lives that are sinful, that are leading us in the wrong direction. And we have to just ask ourselves, man, is God at the center of this thing? This relationship that I have with somebody of the opposite gender, is God really at the center of that relationship? So important to ask, young person. If God's at the center of it, amen. If God's not at the center of it, don't do it. And this is a key marker of sin. <laughs> if, if there's something that you're doing that you know God can't be a part of that, that's obviously sin. It's obviously sin. I want to wrap up. I hope as you think about this that this is a useful thing. Uh, that passage is a confusing one. And as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, meat offered to idols, you know, people you know, asking you to your house, do you eat it? Do you not? What's going on here? Oh, what's the big idea? Is God at the center of it? Is God at the center of it? I want to finish with this. Um, and as you think about your own life, I just want you to think of what is God speaking to you right now? What's at the center, first of all? Is God at the center right now or are you? And then I want, to, I want you to ask yourself, is there anything that shouldn't be in my circle that is in my circle? And what should I bring into my circle? What things should I start doing in my life because God's the center? Last thing is this, is Jesus. Did you know that Jesus had a circle? While Jesus walked on this earth, he had a circle, man. He had 12 disciples. He knew tons of people. There's lots of things that Jesus did. And you know what's so cool? There are strange verses in the Bible that you read and you're like, that's random. Let me read one to you, okay? This is crazy. Th these verses, they're, they're just like, this is my nerd side coming out. Like, whoa, okay, this is cool. All right, John chapter 2, verse 4 says, um, this is when Jesus does his first miracle at the wedding. Do you remember that? He turns water into wa wine. And they're all like, whoa, this is cool. You saved the best wine for last. Good job, Jesus. Um, he says this. It's like random. It comes out of nowhere. And you can see Jesus has God at the center of his circle. And Jesus said to her, he's talking to his mom. He says, Jesus says to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come. What? First of all, who talks to their mom that way? And what are you even saying, Jesus? His hour has not come. There's obviously something's on your mind, Jesus. Do you want to share it with us all? What's he talking about there? He's got, he's, he's at this wedding. He's doing this miracle. And something's on his mind, man. He's got something governing him. John chapter 7, just a little bit later, Jesus said to him, says to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. He's talking to the, the Pharisees. Your time is always here. My time has not yet come. Just a couple verses later, he says, says to them again, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. And then in John chapter 12, Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. His whole life, he was centered around the cross. What was he doing? What's his mission here? What's his whole point? What is he doing? Man, people will read the Bible and they look at Jesus dying on the cross, they'll think, that makes no sense. Why does it make no sense? It's because they are at the center. And you know what's so cool? And this is the amazing thing that God can do in your heart when God relieves you, releases you of the bondage of having you at the center and puts him at the center, it all makes sense, amen? 
it all makes sense. Because then you see the glory that happened on the cross. Jesus says, my hour has come. I'm going to be delivered up to be, to be killed. And he dies for you and me. And you know what's so cool? I brought this up last week. But Jesus prayed in the garden. He's saying, God, like there's tension in him, right? There's some crazy tension where he says, I don't want to do this. Remove the cup from me, Jesus. He says, Father, remove the cup from me. Not my will, but yours be done. God's, God the Father is at the center of, of Jesus' circle. Wrapping this up. Jesus lived for God's glory. Jesus lived unselfishly. Jesus did crazy things that wouldn't make sense to other people. Like just uh, Some of the stories that we're going through in Tethered, it's just so cool. It's, sometimes you're just like, there's so many random stuff. This is because Jesus is on a different time schedule than everybody else. Jesus has a different center than everybody else. So many times his disciples, they don't get it. Why? Because they're at the center. And Jesus is trying to tell them, I should be at the center. He accomplished a mission. Maybe this week, you could bring some new things into your circle because God's leading you into those things. Maybe, sometime this week, you could bring some things out of your circle because God's convicted you about those things. He's at the center. I just want to challenge you, maybe this week, make it your goal to do something crazy for Jesus, okay? Let me just say, you'll never regret it. Just do something crazy for him. Do something weird, like clean your whole house, you know? Stay up all night and just clean everything, and your spouse will wake up, and they'll be like, what is going on? What? Why'd you do this, honey? Well, I love you, and I I love Jesus. It's cool. Reach out to somebody. Finally, finally have the words come out of your mouth and share somebody about Jesus. Just do something crazy. You'll never regret it. And you'll be living consistently, okay? So excited, so excited for what Jesus is going to do. Let's pray. God, um, man, it is so cool living for you. God, it is so cool being a part of Riverview Community Church. God, it is so cool that I am forgiven. God, I pray that I would never, that would never grow cold in my mind. The fact that my sins are gone. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. God, I thank you that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every uh, knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. And I, God, I just want to pray over everybody here, God, that we would have you at the center every day of our life. God, I thank you for everything that you want to do in our life. And God, I just pray that whatever's in our circle that's not glorifying to you, God, we would just move, move beyond that. But God, I just pray as we have you at the center more and more, you would lead us in the ways that you want us to walk and that you would work through us, God. Thank you for this time. Amen.